Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We're going to Joel 2. Joel chapter 2. A day to be stable. Significant, obviously, in the last of the last days. We know, as we'll see tonight, there will be great darkness on the earth. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that actually means. And darkness upon the people. And therefore, uh, sad to say, lack of stability in a lot of people's lives as it relates to their walk with God and how they walk things out on the planet. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thank God we can be stable. I mentioned it this morning, uh, talking about this message tonight. It's kind of like having a good foundation as opposed to one that's not so good. An unstable foundation of any kind is going to cause problems in the actual building that's sitting on top of that foundation. You and I want to have a solid foundation so that we don't wind up seeing our lives fall apart. That we truly can be firm all the way to the end. Amen. If you obviously start with a very good, strong foundation in relationship to any type of building, that thing will be standing for a long time. And you and I can do the same thing just simply by being stable in our walk with God. Number one on your notes. Number one on your notes. Although we do not like to dwell on the negative, and we should not. We're not going to dwell on the negative of what obviously the Bible talks about. We still have to do what? Take a real good look at the day we live in so we can conquer it. See, we, the, the balance here is we're not going to focus all of our time on all the negative stuff the Bible says about the last days. But we don't ignore it either. Because to ignore it means to not realize or understand or have knowledge of what you're dealing with and therefore how to deal with it. As it relates to victories in, in you know, context of military conquest all through the Bible, all through the history of the world, one of the keys to walking in victory is knowing your enemy. Knowing about your enemy, how your enemy works. God's word tells me and you we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And therefore, we do have to still look at the things Scripture teaches as it relates to stuff that clearly isn't real positive in the sense towards our life, but we don't have to allow it to happen. So even though we don't like to dwell on the negative, which we're not going to, we still have to take a good look again at the day we live in where we are right now in relationship to what the word says so we can do what? Conquer this day. Joel, we're going to go through several verses here to start with. Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 talks a little bit about this in relationship to a prophetic aspect of the day you and I are living in called the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion. What does Zion represent in relationship to the New Testament in the Old? It represents the church. So what he's talking about is in the church, there needs to be an alarm spoken. The blowing of the trumpet here is actually talking about a type of an alarm. If you want to put it this way, similar to what we would know in Texas, if a tornado was coming, right, you have sirens that will go off. To what? Warn you. Not for us to run from it, in my opinion, but to know to be prepared and deal with it. So in relationship to what he's talking about here about the last days, that's the term blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet here isn't celebratory, as you're going to see in these verses. It's not like, hey, celebrate. This is a warning trumpet he's talking about. That in the church, this warning trumpet needs to be sounded so Christians are alerted to what's going on and prepared. 
You got it? So we're to blow the trumpet in Zion, notice, and therefore sound an alarm in my holy mountain, where my people dwell. So God does want us to sound the alarm of things we're to be aware of, what we need to know about. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is what? Tell me out loud, please. It's coming. And from the time this was written, far closer now than the day even in which it was written. Notice, for it is at hand. Now, a lot of people say, but man, Pastor, this was written, you know, a long, long time ago. Uh, probably relationship to where we are, you know, over a couple thousand years ago. Well, listen, a day unto the Lord is if, uh, excuse me, one, yeah, one day unto the Lord is if a thousand years. A thousand years if a day. So God doesn't look at time the way you and I do. And we're, this is what you and I need to know. We're much closer today. Verse 2, a day of darkness, a what? A day of darkness and gloominess. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be a day of darkness or gloominess for the believer. He's saying, when you get close to return to the Lord, you're going to see in the earth more darkness and gloominess. Now, don't, again, don't throw anything at me and say, well, I'm not standing on that pastor. I'm not believing on that pastor. I'm not agreeing with that pastor. But even, you know, I've been saying this for years, and I've been confirming it through Dr. Barclay through multiple times. I've sat with him and talked to him about it. I even talked to Dr. Sutton about this before he left the planet. I've always heard all my life of all these prophetic prophecies about in the last days, man, it's going to be a glorious time on earth, boy, and you're just going to see tons of people saved before the rapture. I got one for you, because see, I'm a Bible guy. How many, how many are Bible people? So I got one for you. A lot of people say, there's no way there's going to be more in hell than heaven. God's not going to actually have less in heaven than there is in hell. What do you base that on? What do you base it on? Is it a competition? No, no. It's not a competition. Do we know God's going to have more in heaven than hell? No. According to the Bible, it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. How do you know? Ready? I'm not trying to press you. I'm just giving you a reality check. You know what Jesus said? Wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction. And many, every time I preach that verse in this church, I said, I don't like this verse. I don't think God likes the verse. But he said it. Many will go in by it. Narrow is the gate and difficult or confined, it says in the Greek, is the way Jesus said this into what we know as salvation or eternal life. You ready? And few will find it. Will God really have more in heaven than there are in hell? According to scripture, I don't know that that's going to happen. Please don't start up this service thinking, pastor's painting this gloomy doomy. No, the Bible tells you it will be a day of darkness and gloom. Therefore, you should be aware of that and be protected from it. It doesn't, how many know there's going to be a glorious church in the earth? How many want to be a part of that glorious church? So that means it's not getting on you. As we'll see in Isaiah a little later, that's not getting on you. But guess what? It's going to be here. So even as it relates to a lot of stuff going on in our country, in our government, it's a day of darkness. It's a day of gloom. Should we not try to change it? Yeah, to the best degree we can with prayer and our authority and our vote. But I will promise you this, you won't get rid of it. Because the Bible prophesied it would be here. The Bible prophesied it would cover the whole earth, not just part of the earth. America is not excluded. We are not exempt. So I guess I don't vote anymore, Pastor. Where'd you get that dumb idea? To whom much is given, much is required. See, even if who you vote doesn't get put in office, God knows who you voted for, and God knows where your heart is. And God rewards you for your faithfulness. 
not for the results that happen, but for your faithfulness to obey God and do what he said to do. And yeah, there's some things actually changing. But I will promise you this, ladies and gentlemen, I've told you this many times. The Bible tells us clearly that we can learn from history itself as it relates to how things work in the earth, even relationship to God. You know why I'm so confident God's going to take us out before all the real darkness hits the planet that we know is going to happen in the tribulation period? Because he's always done it in the Bible. For those who, the righteous remnant that were ready, how about knowing his family? Yeah. I mean, we saw a flood cover the earth. Talk about some darkness. God's judgment came. But guess what? He got righteous Lot and his family out. Uh, excuse me, righteous Noah and his family out. How, how did his family get out, by the way? Because they were family? No, they helped build the ark. What if they wouldn't have? They wouldn't have gone. Because Lot had a different story. So you got to understand this. Realize that gloominess and darkness, what we're talking about here, I'm not talking about getting on you. Because what we're talking about is how to be stable so it don't get on us. But it's still going to come. It's still going to come. And I brought this up to Dr. Sutton. I said, you know, Dr. Sutton, I'm not saying there's not going to be salvations. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be a light of rain. I believe there will. But I don't believe it's going to be everything that, quote, unquote, people have prophesied it to be. Because it goes contrary to Scripture. Jesus talked about the last days. Remember Jesus? Remember Jesus? Anybody remember Jesus? I think Jesus knew what he was talking about. So Jesus talked about the last days. What was his words about the last days? False prophets, many deceived, love of many growing cold, love of many. You listening? Love of many growing cold. How can your love grow cold unless you are once truly in love with God? Can't. So he's saying there was many once in love with me, their love grows cold. If you're stable, that won't happen. Come on, somebody. If you're stable, that won't happen. But it doesn't mean that it won't happen to many because Jesus said it would. The love of many growing cold doesn't refer to people that don't know Jesus. He's talking about people who were in love with God, but their love grows cold. So we got to be aware this stuff is coming, but it don't have to get on me. Say it doesn't have to get on me. So again, verse 2, it is a day of darkness and gloominess. So a lot of this message will sound like gloom and doom. No, we're just talking about what's coming and what we need to do in the process of what's coming. It's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. Boy, did we see that in the Smokies. That's why they're called the Smoky Mountains. Man, clouds set in on those mountains. You can't even see them. And it just looks like darkness over the top of it. A people come... Watch this, great and strong. So in the midst of this, there are strong people. Thank you, Tamara, for one yes in the background. In the midst of this gloominess and darkness, there are people who come that are great and strong. I got another amen and a glory. The like of whom has never been. That would be the church. That would be the remnant church. Notice this, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. So realize he's telling us clearly on your notes, 1A, it is a day of darkness and gloominess. We need to be aware of that so that we guard ourselves against it. So I've been referring to it. Go to Isaiah 60. Back up to Isaiah 60. These are all end time prophecies. These are all prophecies referring to the days ahead of us. Part of what we've already entered into. I said it after, uh, you know, I said it after this last eight years. Actually, let me back up. This last uh, uh, 12 years, last, no, I'd have to go back further, 16 years, last four presidencies. I've seen stuff in my lifetime I never thought I would have seen. Right. Never, ever, never, never. 
in America. But what it proves is America is not exempt from the darkness. And I was going to say this earlier, history is a good proof of what happens over time. How many know the average length of any aspect of any domination of any nation in the earth for any length of time lasted how long? Average. 200 years. Well, we're a little over 200 years old. So don't think America. I, I, I love this statement that Dr. Summerall said, just to give you a little encouragement about America, that he said the Lord actually told him one time in a vision uh, shortly before he went home to be with the Lord. America will have everything it needs up to the rapture. After that, all bets are off. Why? Because Satan's... Now listen, I don't believe this scripturally, nor does Pastor Barclay, nor did Dr. Sutton, nor did Lester Sumrall, that Satan's going to rule America. Satan will rule only about a third of the nations. But his rule will affect all of the world. It'll have an impact on all the world. You're not going to live in America and not be affected by what's going on with the Antichrist. So even if America isn't ruled by that context of him... I don't know if you know this or not. This is uh, actual stuff you can look up yourself. And I get all these people goofed up kind of in my mind sometimes just focus on the Bible. So forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's Prince Albert. Prince Charles. Thank you, Prince Charles. See, praise God I got people to keep up with this stuff. Prince Charles recently at a meeting, a huge summit meeting with all these great world leaders started talking about somebody already on the planet that they're willing to entrust everything they have to. Oh my goodness. All their goods, all their finances, everything within their country. And America, uh, that was there represented by one of our representatives, didn't even speak against it. Nobody spoke up against it said, we're not doing that. Goodness. And they said, and this person we're willing to entrust all that to is already on the planet. Now, they never mentioned who it was. Right. Amen. But this was in a recent meeting in a summit this year. Yes. I'm going to tell you what, folks. That's a picture of the Antichrist. Is he already here? I believe he is. Who is he? I don't know and I don't care because the Bible says he ain't going to be revealed till the church is raptured. That would be me. So I don't want to hang around and find out. I'll find out from heaven. I'll look over the banister of heaven and then find out. I could care less. I'm not even trying to figure it out. I'm not even trying to come up with his name. Or, or see, is that him? Is that him? Is that him? You know why? Because the Bible said he will not be revealed. Till the church is removed. So in Isaiah 60 verse 1, are you there? In Isaiah 60 verse 1, it says, Arise and shine for your light, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you too. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Not part of it, the whole earth. Darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will do what? He'll arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon what? You. Those who do what? Who will this glory be seen upon? You have to arise. You have to rise up into your walk with God. Rise up into who God called you to be. Rise up into what God called you to do. If you do, that glory will be seen upon you. So in reality, in my view, America really didn't have darkness covering it until we started entering into these last four cycles of of the presidency. Because again, I mean, how many remember this growing up? Maybe you don't remember it, but I do. All through my life as a kid, because I could care less about politics right. or politicians. I didn't vote when I was younger. I was not ever taught by my family to do that. Uh, I heard you know, a lot of people talk about politics, but I thought, man, come on. I got bulls to ride. I got other stuff to do. You take care of that. Whatever happens, happens. No big deal. You know, it'll all work out in the wash, which ain't true, of course. But that was my mentality. But, you know, I heard this all my life growing up as a kid. It was proven through our elections. Every election cycle, people vote their pocketbook. Yeah. 
So if you have, obviously, the people in office doing the country well, they tend to revolt the same people or the same aspect of the same political party back in office because they like the way things are going. When things turn around, then they switch. And I watched that happen all during my life as a kid growing up. I remember the kid growing up. But that all changed when Obama came along. See, what has happened at the very beginning of that cycle of our elections in this country, which now proves America's under darkness, when he got elected for the very first time, people no longer voted based on platforms. And we haven't since. The majority of those who are actually casting a vote in our elections are not voting for a platform, which is what you're supposed to vote for. What do they stand for? What do they believe in? What, are they, what have they proven of their track record? Have they Because they'll tell you one thing, do something else. So have they proven that based on their track record of what they say they'll do for America? Do they understand our Constitution? Do, do any of these politicians even understand that we are not a democracy? Because most of them say we are. We are not. Most of them need to go back to, you know, literally go back to, you know, kindergarten maybe for some of them. Grade school at least or some junior high. I don't think, I think high school is too high for some of them. And learn the fact that we are not a democracy. We're a republic. Why is that important? Why is that important? Let me help you. People don't decide what happens in the country. As much as you've been taught this, as much as you've been made to believe this, that's not true. That is not how our founding fathers set up our system to work. It is not based on what people want. It is based on what our documents state. A republic is based on our documents, Constitution, Bill of Rights. It's, they got it from this. See, in the church, it does, it's not majority vote wins. It's not the majority that decides what God does and what God doesn't do. What decides what God does and what God doesn't do? The documents. And he's going to live by them whether you like them or not. See, our, our founding fathers saw this. They knew this. And that's where they came up with the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, based on this. The Constitution, sorry for getting off on my little political spiel here, but some people need to learn this. The Constitution doesn't give you your rights. See, you're totally, you're, you need to go back to school if you think the Constitution, because the problem is we don't understand this. We can't explain it to others. So they're not voting on platform anymore. That has to do with all these things I'm telling you. They're voting on personality. You want to know why Trump lost the second time around? They don't like his personality. There's a lot of people that love what he did for our country, but they can't stand his personality. And they literally are so stupefied that they will actually vote for somebody that they like who they think has a better personality, who the guy in the office right now does not, if you listen to him close enough. But they think he does. Are you listening? See, even back to Clinton era, people started getting elected based on quote-unquote performance and personality, not platform. How they performed in front of people. Their personality with people. That's just a fact. That's how darkness had to come because we're shifting over to a democracy. We're shifting away from being a republic. You still here? See, if this country voted the way they're supposed to, they're supposed to vote as a republic. We're supposed to vote based on our founding documents. What do our documents say? Are you going into office going to uphold those documents? Because if you're not, I ain't voting for you. Because right. if I vote for you and you don't uphold those documents, we don't survive as a republic. We die as a republic. Because it's our documents that determine what we can and can't do. 
They don't give you your rights as a human. Guess what our documents say? Our documents say God gave you rights. God gave you your rights. And man can't take them away. Are you still here? Go to communist countries where they have been taken away. I'll tell you why. Because they're not a republic. They are in quote unquote in the sense of a lot of these places either dictatorships as communism or if in some cases some places where there is voting again they're not a republic they're a democracy. Democracy leads to communism. Thank you for all your amens about that. But it does. And see, a lot of Americans don't even understand the basics of what we are as a country. And therefore, we try to explain to other people, you get into all this argument about personality, they're going to win the argument in most cases. Like you got somebody with a real... I mean, Reagan was like the last guy we had as a real conservative president that had a great personality that people liked him. You listening? But he was a strong conservative. He believed in our republic. Not our democracy. We have democratic elections. People go vote. But what is your vote supposed to be based on? Your republic. Come on somebody. It ain't supposed to be based on whether you like their personality or not. I take a mean tweet any day over, you know, five bucks a gallon for diesel gas. But I need to get off of that. I'm just telling you, you got to understand darkness is here, folks. I said darkness is here. So the other side of this, hear me carefully. Don't stop listening now. Don't get so caught up in these election things that you get all upset and mad because things didn't go the way you wanted them to. Darkness is going to cover the earth. Deep darkness is going to cover the people of the earth. But those who arise will do what? They'll shine. 1B, darkness. And by the way, arising also means you arise above all this garbage and you don't get caught up in it. You realize it hasn't changed your God. You understand that? Are you still here? I'll I'll guarantee you, no matter what happens with the economy, it hasn't changed God's ability to supply all your need. He's still the same supplier. Hasn't changed him a bit. 1B, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people. Here's what I wanted to get to. The context of the phrase darkness back in Joel and in Isaiah and other parts of the Bible, in the context of the Old Testament Hebrew, it has the, this is the definition. The definition is, it has the associative meanings of gloom. Think about this while we're reading this in our earth, what's going on in our earth right now. Gloom, despair, terror, ignorance, 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 that's part of darkness. How ignorant are people today? I mean, it's like all common sense has gone out the window. You want to know why? Because God said it would happen. It's a part of darkness setting in. And yet you can sit there and try to explain to them, and they just can't get it. You want to know why? Darkness has set in. You know why darkness has set on them? Because they have not chosen to arise up in a relationship with God and shine out of that darkness. Ignorance or hard to understand. In relationship to basic things, it's amazing how many people seem to have such a difficulty understanding basic knowledge of, hey, guess what? If you got a capitalist in office, he may not be the perfect Christian if he even is one. But if you got a capitalist who understands how our republic functions, he doesn't want your rights taken away and he's going to function based on that constitution. And guess what? Things are going to go well because it's based off of this word. So that's just basic understanding. But a lot of people have gone totally beyond basic understanding. Why? Tell me why. Because darkness is covering them. 
Matthew 24. Don't think that darkness can't get on you. Well, I understand all this stuff, Pastor. Why are you getting so frustrated about elections then? Why are you getting frustrated, period, by the way? I didn't say I didn't ever get frustrated about it. I had to deal with myself. Pastor's got a powerful statement. They got a new shirt out, man, from a Mark Barclay Ministries. I don't know. Maybe we might need to order a bunch and get them down here. You know what it says on the front of these new shirts? Deal with yourself. Because if we don't, nobody will. I had to deal with myself in the midst of all the frustrations and stuff that's going on. And say, you know what? I had to keep reminding myself. Tell your neighbor, you need to keep reminding yourself. You know why? Because nobody else will do it. I mean, I'll try, but I can't be with you day in and day out. Nobody else will deal with yourself like you. What do you need to remind yourself of? Doesn't change my God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can still do what he's always done. Doesn't limit him at all. Matter of fact, makes him look even bigger. And he just shows up in the midst of all of it and proves that he's still God. See, the problem with a lot of modern day Christians is we want everything to work the way we want it to work. And I'm telling you right now, based on these verses, it ain't going to go the way you're going to want it to go in the natural, in the aspect of what's going on in the world. But it can for you. It can for you. I love, I love what Brandy shared, you know. You need to capture a picture of obviously who you are now and who you need to be in relationship to focusing on God. Get a better picture of God, you'll have no problem trusting Him. Guaranteed. I said guaranteed. Matthew 24, you there yet? Matthew 24, look at verses 4 to 8. So here's, again, what I was referring to, some of Jesus' description here of the last days. Jesus answered in verse 4 and said to them, Take heed that what? No now why would he say that if nobody could? Come on. You know, people say, well, nobody's going to deceive me. Then why did Jesus warn you to take heed lest somebody deceive you if nobody could deceive you? Obviously somebody could. Right. I have a question. Yeah. If you're deceived, do you know it? So this is something we got to definitely be aware of. In relationship to what he said, take heed that what? No one. Better be, better be very careful who you let speak in your life, who you hang around. Uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I, I've said this so many times, but I'm just going to have to keep saying it because the Bible says it and I love you and I care about you and I don't want to see you deceived. If you're listening to, being influenced by, spending time with people on social media, in person or in any other aspect of relationship with that person and they're deceived, you're in the process of being deceived. I don't care what you tell me. That is not, the Bible tells you to guard your heart. The Bible tells you to choose your friends carefully. The Bible tells you very carefully to guard what you listen to. Well, I'm just being caring and loving and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Let me help you. If they're deceived and you're listening to them, you're opening yourself up for deception. By the way, you're not a higher spiritual authority if you're not five-fold ministry. Are you the one that's probably going to get them out of deception? Not likely. Right. I'll guarantee if they're a believer and they've been under leadership, the reason they're deceived is because they didn't listen to the very ones that God tried to help guard them against deception. You think you're going to be any more anointed than them? Not like you're less anointed. It's not what I'm saying. But what, what was one of the main reasons he gave five-fold ministry? Watch out for your soul. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching the Bible to you. God did not give you the gift and ability to watch out for the soul of other believers. He gave that anointing to leadership. He gave that anointing to fivefold ministry. We're going to give an account as those who were to watch out for your soul. Amen? So listen, you got to realize when he said, take heed, no one deceive you. One of the primary ways you get deceived is you start listening to somebody else who is. 
And if they are, I'm going to tell you right now, that influence is beginning to already wear on you, like it or not. And if you don't stop it, I'll guarantee you what, you're going to wind up going the same way they go. How many know Cain was deceived? Chosen his own heart to do his own thing other than what God said. He didn't listen to the spiritual authority in his life. God said, bring me an offering. Guess what kind of offering you're supposed to bring? Not vegetables, Cain. You know what the Bible says? You ready? Don't go the way of Cain. Meaning what? Don't get out from under leadership that wants to speak in your life and help you to do things right and not get deceived. Cain got deceived. What did it lead to? Murder. Murdering. And and I'm telling you, man, you can start hating the wrong. You can literally allow people to deceive you and start hating the very people that God put in your life to help you. That's because you're deceived. I'm going to read it again. Verse 4, take heed that what? Now, I can't get as much mileage out of all these other verses. We'll never get through this. Verse, but it's, it's important to understand. Verse 5, notice, for many will come. What? How many? Many will come, what? In my name, saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. Who are those coming in the name of Christ? Well, I happen to know the Bible, honey. I happen to know what the Word of God says. You're saying you, like the anointed one, have counsel for them to help them with their life. There's nothing wrong with encouraging people with things you've learned, grown up in, and overcome yourself. But God didn't call you to be a counselor to somebody else as it relates to the context of the Scriptures. In relationship to counsel, that's supposed to be wise counsel, the Bible says. Thank you for all your amens about that. We're doing, this is something a lot of Christians misunderstand. Pastor Barclay teaches all, all the time. There's a difference between subjection and submission. Submission goes up. Subjection is lateral. I mean, a word be to subject to one another. Meaning that we can truly glean from each other and help each other as it relates to the thing we can encourage each other in. But when it comes to submission to not be deceived, that's got to be up. Not lateral. Thank you for all your amends about that. You see, even as it relates to my life, don't misunderstand me. I'm not to submit myself to you. I'm to submit myself up to my leadership above me who are gifted by God and anointed by God to deal with me. And they're good at it. I said they're good at it. Even if you don't think they are, they're good at it. Thank you for the one amen from Tamara in the back. Praise God. You just need to come up here, Tamara. You have more room for your leg and everything. So, <laughs> If you're watching on the internet, just that wasn't like a leg thing. What's she talking about? She's got her leg in a, in a brace right now. Praise God. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will do what again? Deceive. What are they going to do? So saying they're the Christ means they're going to claim they're speaking on behalf of God. Well, I happen to know. Well, I don't care what pastor told you. Let me tell you what my interpretation of the Bible is. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want your interpretation. What if pastor's wrong? Well, go and talk to him about it. Why Why are you talking to somebody else? This is my question to everybody in the body of Christ, especially those streaming tonight. Why is it you're talking to everybody else about the one who you're in disagreement with instead of going to the one you're in disagreement with? And find out, can you show me? Can you explain to me? Because I don't know if I get this or not. I don't know if I agree. I've had people come to me. I've gone to my pastor. I said, Pastor, you know this little statement you make about this in the Bible? Yeah. I don't, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it respectfully. I don't know that I can agree with that. You know why? Because I'm just not getting it. Can you explain that further? Can you help me understand that further? Now, I don't say that ain't right, Pastor. But I have no so-and-so. And they told me this and that and this and that. You're wrong. No, I say, can you explain it? You know, every time my pastor's explained to, to then the light came on. I'm like, wow, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. 
Notice this, verse 6, he goes on to say, and you will hear of what? Wars. How many know you, are you hearing of wars going on in the world? Yeah. You know where Putin is right now? Most people don't know this. You know where Putin is right now? He's locked away in a bomb shelter. Pastor shared all this with us. It's common knowledge if you obviously get into studying this stuff or knowing what's going on based on not the mainstream news media. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons as to why people think he's doing that. I'm not going to speculate why. You know why I'm not Putin. But he's in a bomb shelter. He's there for a reason. Now, I don't believe this in any way, shape, or form, nor did Dr. Sutton. That mean nuclear war? No, not going to happen until the, t the time of the tribulation period. We'll be gone. Bible talks about this kind of a battle. It ain't happening while we're still here. Wars, there'll be what? You'll hear of, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not what? So everybody that's running to you prophesy, oh man, we're going to have a nuclear holocaust. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Rumors. Rumors. See that you're not troubled. Don't let those things trouble you. Come on, somebody. For all these things will come to pass, but the end is what? Now the end is not the rapture. You understand that? The end is not the rapture. The end is when he comes back and we come with him. End of the age. All these things will happen throughout that tribulation period. But then the end will come. Notice this. He goes on to say in verse 7. Watch this. For the nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be what? Famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Now many people don't know right now. If you pay attention to this stuff, because again, it just doesn't get reported. Scientists tell us that they're, since being recorded, that the earthquakes today are happening quicker and closer together than in any other time of history. The Bible says that's the earth giving its birth pains to the birth of the Messiah coming back. Just a sign. Say a sign. So there'll be earthquakes in various places. Verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning. Not the end. This is what we begin to cause. What we clearly know is going to be a critical time of seven years of absolute hell on earth. But thank God in Jesus' name, we're going to be gone. Amen. Down to verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and do what? I'm just quoting Pastor Barclay. You don't need to know who he is. It makes no difference because you shouldn't be listening to people you shouldn't be listening to anyway. But we have what, we, what he calls the 50-50 prophet today. It's amazing how these prophets are so famous and a lot of people, you know, leave our churches to go to other churches that bring these people in because after all, your pastor doesn't prophesy what I want to hear. These people prophesy what I believe is true. Okay, so if you're trying to find somebody to prophesy what you believe is true, does that make it true? No. no. Not at all. Amazing thing is, what they prophesied, did it come to pass? Now, pastor keeps up with us more than I do because of all the ministers he upholds. He doesn't go listen to these people. He knows what's going on with them. He said, it's amazing how you got these certain set of so-called prophets that all these big ministries bring in all the time for their conferences. They prophesy all kinds of stuff that the people, you know, the Bible prophesied this in the Old Testament. It was going on in the Old Testament. The Old Testament even said that my people love to hear these false prophecies. They love it, but they shouldn't. But you know why? Because they're hearing what they because they're getting to hear what they want to hear. I had people leave us during election cycles because we weren't saying what all the famous prophets were saying. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, the Bible said it, there are gonna be many false prophets. I said many false prophets. I said many false prophets. I didn't say it, Jesus did. Be many false prophets that will do what? They'll rise up and deceive many. So how many are there that's gonna be deceived in the last days? Wow. Wow. Sounds pretty gloom and dooming to me, Pastor. Now, we're just talking about how you can stay stable in the midst of all this. 
We're going to get there. I promise. Because of, no, it says, because lawlessness will what? What will it do? Oh my gosh, not a little bit. It'll abound that the love of many will do what? Will grow cold. 13, but he who endures to the end, another way to say that, remains stable. Come on. If you endure the end, you know why? Because you stayed stable. You didn't give in to the false prophets. You didn't go looking for prophecies that obviously you agree with. You didn't go listening to the wrong people. You didn't allow the people that were deceived to infect you with the same deceptions. You endured. You made it through it all. And he who endures to the end shall be what? Saved. And then this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And the end, again, not talking about the rapture, end of all things will come. C, one C on your notes, it'll, there will also be a day of deception, disasters, and false prophets. Now, I got to move on fairly quickly here. Go to, go to verse 24, same chapter, drop down to verse 24. Notice this, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive even, notice this, if possible, even the elect. Even, the, even other leaders. And many are being deceived. Now this is talking about false Christ, meaning what? We're the anointed ones. We have the anointing. Can I help you? If you're born again, you have the anointing. Same anointing everybody else has. There ain't nobody with a special anointing. There are different types of anointings. But we all have the same anointing to walk in what Jesus died and paid for. So there'll be false Christ claiming to have anointing nobody else has. And there'll be false prophets again who speak things that are not true. And they will rise up and even show great signs and wonders to deceive. We don't go by signs and wonders. We go by the word of God. Amen. If you're seeking a sign, listen, the devil, as Brother Hagin said for years, will oblige you. Amen. He's done it all through the history of the, of the earth. People who seek signs, the devil will give you signs to mislead you, deceive you, lead you astray, make you think it's God. We don't seek signs. I said we don't seek signs. You know who we seek? God. So number two on your notes, the last days are certainly the days to be stable. In fact, if if you aren't careful, underline it, even you will be deceived. If you're what? If you're not careful. You don't guard your life. Clearly, it says that, again, many will be deceived. Many will be deceived. I didn't get time because I'm kind of out of time to deal with all these verses. Back in verse 12, he said lawlessness will abound. What is lawlessness? Turn to 2nd. Thessalonians 2, well, I'm talking about that. What is lawlessness? I've taught you this. Not having a respect and an honor for the word of God. God's word is the ultimate law. God's word is the ultimate law. Now you name anything that violates natural law that is based off of what is obviously God's word. How about not murdering based off of God's word? So sure, there's a lot of natural laws that go along with the Bible. But lawlessness is not just talking about a disregard for laws of the land. It's talking about the law of God. Amen. What God's word says. In other words, people will start taking the Bible as it not being real, you know, a big deal. Oh, go to church. Come on, man. You do, it's just church, man. Just church. Why are you so upset about us not going to church? Because it's what strengthens you. It's what helps you. You should want to do it for the right reasons, not just go. But I'm just telling you right now, a lot of people are going to start showing less and less. They already are. Less and less respect for the Bible. Oh, man, what's the matter? What's the big deal if we have sex outside of marriage? We're getting married anyway. Because the Bible said it's a sin. Something pastor dealt with in our meeting when we were there. He said a lot is preached on. And I know he dealt with me. In that message, and I said, I was telling the Lord, I'm going to obey this. He said, a lot of people preach on the law of commission, but they don't preach on the law of omission. 
We hear a lot about the laws of commission, committing sin, things we know we shouldn't do. But what about omission? What about omitting things from our life we know we should do? You know what the Bible says about it? He who knows to do that which is good and doesn't do it, finish the verse. It is a sin. I'm going to quote it to you again. It comes out of the New Testament. Uh, Book of James, I think. I could be incorrect. I think it's He who knows to do good and doesn't do it. New Testament. He who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is a going to church, good or bad. Oh, what if you know to go to church, but you don't? Sin of omission. You're omitting what the Word of God says. I like something Brandy said in her message on Sunday night I was listening to today. She said, quit lying to one another. If I asked you why you weren't in church, don't lie to me. What are you going to lie to me for? What good is that? The Bible says don't lie. It's wrong to lie. But some people think, well, I don't want them to know why I wasn't in church. Well, just say, well, I don't need to tell you. But you don't need to lie about it. Because you don't need to tell her. But you don't have to lie about it. Lying about it is doing what you know obviously is not right. You know to do good, but you don't do it. Guess what? That's a sin of omission. You're omitting what Scripture says you should do. All right, number three, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Number three, you must stand fast. Say stand fast. You must stand fast, keep your hope, and do all you know to do to be what? Established. If you're established, you'll be stable. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. If you're there, shout amen. Amen. That was a shout. Amen. Shout amen. Amen. I like to wake you up every once in a while. Get some blood pumping. 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Do what? Underline it. Stand fast. Underline this. Hold, hold the traditions which you were taught. That whole phrase. Don't just hold the traditions. Hold the traditions that you were taught. Coming back to that. Whether by word or our epistle. Huh? Whether by word, what we've preached to you in their day, or our epistle, letters we've written to you that we're now reading. Yes. Notice this, verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you. Establish. See, these are stable words. These are words of being stable. May the Lord himself comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Every good word and work. Let's walk through that on your notes. Number three, A, you're to stand fast, sure-footed, sure-footed and grounded. If you're sure-footed and grounded, you're not allowing things to deter you from what you know you need to do to be able to be established in the last days in your walk with God. 3B, you don't hold the traditions that you were taught. What is that referring to traditions? The doctrines, the sound doctrines of the scripture. If you look at that verse, it's simple. Read the whole verse and it explains that. Brethren, stand fast and hold. Say hold. That means you don't do them once in a while. You do them all the time. Hold the traditions, traditions which you were taught. Notice, whether by word or our epistle, whether we preached it to you in a setting of a, in their day of, a, of an actual ministry time or a service, because these letters were just being written at the time, or we've written to you in letter. Yeah, right. So what I'm preached that now comes from the word of God, I'm to hold on to those very things that I've been taught and not just quote unquote go in and out of doing them. No, I'm supposed to live them. 
That's my new lifestyle. So that's a reference to traditions here. 3C, may the Lord comfort your heart and establish you. Thank God he will. May the Lord comfort your heart. That's out of relationship. He'll do it if you stay close to him. He will comfort your heart and do what? Establish you. This comfort, powerful, refers to keeping you under the influence of his Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. So if I'm staying under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to experience comfort in the midst of all the darkness and gloominess and despair. Hallelujah. D, may the Lord establish you in every what? Good work and word. It is not enough that we believe the truth. We must what? Shout it at me. So what do you mean establish me in every good work and word? Well, let's talk about establishing you in the word first. Easy to understand. Then we'll back up to the work part because he said both. May the Lord say the Lord. May the Lord be the one to establish you in every good work, good work and word. So how does he establish you in the word? You got to make sure that what you're hearing from the word of God is backed by him, the word. Because if it is coming from the word, the Bible, then you honor that and you acknowledge that and you believe that and you receive that and you do that and he's establishing you in that word. But also every good work. We don't come to the church and just do whatever we want. We need to recognize what God wants us to do. We need to recognize with the help of our leadership, where does God want me to serve in the work of the ministry? It has to be the Lord that establishes me in that work. There's things that I would like to do that God will not permit me to do that are ministry things. But he is not assigned for me to do those things. Why wouldn't he let you do them? It's not my calling. It's not, it's not what he wants in my life as a work for my life. Hey, man, there were times I didn't want to be a pastor. There was one time years ago, I called Dr. Barclay, and I said, I'm telling you right now, I'm calling upon you as my pastor and as a prophet of God. Because right now, I'm ready to pack all my stuff, come to Midland, Michigan, come sit in your church, serve, work, do whatever you need me to do. You're my pastor. I'm not going anywhere else. I found my pastor. I'm coming to Midland, Michigan, but I'm pretty much done with this pastor and stuff, and I don't think I'm at all good at it, and I think somebody else needs to be doing it. I think it's time for me to move on. And unless you, as my pastor and a prophet of God, tell me without a doubt from the Lord that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm done. And he said, you know if I told you to come to Midland, you'd be out of the will of God, don't you? Yeah. Kind of funny how he answered this question. He didn't say, yeah, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. He said, you know... If you came to Midland, you'd be out of the will of God, wouldn't you? Yeah, and so would I. Because if I permitted you to come out of the will of God, not only are you out of the will of God, I'm out of the will of God because I'm allowing you to do something that the Lord didn't tell you to do. He was actually in a position of a time of his ministry where he was looking at having to replace the guy that was actually overseeing all of his ministry travels and stuff, which I would love to do. And I said, Pastor, you know I'd be good at that job. He said, you probably would. But you'd be out of the will of God, and so would I. And God couldn't bless you, and God couldn't bless my ministry. And we'd both be in trouble with God. So you know you're where you belong. Now, I tell you as a prophet of God, you suck it up, boy, and you stay in that calling where God called you, and you stick with it. Yes, sir, it's all I needed to hear. Never asked him again. Are you listening? Now, you need to know that. But I'm just telling you right now, there's no way I'd do this without leadership acknowledging it. There's a lot of people, Dr. Oh man, Dr. Kenneth Hagan saw so many people come through Rama that felt they had a calling to ministry, and he met him and he looked at him and he said, Uh-uh. 
but they went and did it anyway. And I'm telling you what, they caused not only problems for themselves, some actually died early, some lost family members, and some just lost everything. You're out of the will of God. God can't bless you out of his will. He can't endorse what's not his will. You're still here. And understand, not everything in God's will necessarily means all things are going great for you. I, you know, Paul had time stone left for dead. Doesn't look like things are going very great, but he's right in the middle of God's will. Amen. You listening? Yes, Many times, man, everybody abandoned him. He's down to little to nothing of anybody that would help him, stand beside him, yet he's still right in the middle of God's will. So it doesn't mean everything in the natural goes the way you want it to. You got to know in your heart you're obeying God. And you got to have some leadership that knows that. So again, D on your notes, 3D, the Lord has to establish you in every what? Good work and word. What's the key for me and you? It's not enough that we believe the truth. What do we got to do? We got to love the truth. Amen. Look at your notes. Number four, I'll just quote this one to you for the sake of time. Excuse me, number four, we are, we are going to be, if we are going to be victorious in these days, we must be what? Steadfast, Steadfast what? Immovable, what? Always abounding the work of the Lord. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says that you and I are to be, quote unquote, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work. In the work. In the work. What are you here for? Being equipped to go do the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? Winning souls. Laying hands on the sick. Sharing the gospel. Well, that's just not me. Excuse me. God said it is. You're here to be equipped to go do that. Go share your story. Go love on people. Just be another friend to them that reaches out to them and explains to them what your God's done for you. How hard is that? I say all the time, it's easy to witness. Oh, it's hard for me, Pastor. You ever gone to a restaurant you like, like the Sunliner Diner? <laughs> you knew I had to get that in there, right? You ever gone? You ever gone? I had ministers there in, in Pigeon Forge because uh, I'd tell these other ministers, oh, man, they talk about it. I said, yeah, that's good food. Chuck Eveline is a good pastor friend of ours. He said, he is the Sunliner Diner representative for all of Pigeon Ford. They ought to give him a discount. I said, well, I, I'm high on their list, man. I'm just joking. You know. I, I said, be sure and tell them you get the Daryl Baker discount, you know, when you go. But, you know, it's amazing. You go to a restaurant, you go to some business that does you well, that obviously does a good job for you. What do you do? You tell other people it ain't hard. You tell other people, man, I really enjoyed uh, obviously, working with us, I enjoyed this, this restaurant. This person really did a great job for me. I hired them. They came to this stuff. Why can't you do that with what God's done with your life? Amen. My God's good. Let me tell you how good my God is. Amen. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. You know how to witness. You just don't realize it. You're thinking like you got to have all this stuff in your head theologically figured out. No, all you got to do is understand this. You ready? You ready? God's good. Say it. Good. He loves everybody. Say it. Everybody. He's loved me. And he can love through me. If you understand that, you can witness to anybody. Because your God's not bad. He's not the one doing all the bad stuff. He's, the, he's there to turn stuff around. Go talk about what he's done for you. Can I get a better amen? Okay, number four again on your notes there for 4A, real simple. Be steadfast. Be, be immovable. Don't be moved by stuff so easily. Don't allow things to affect you so easily. I talked about this uh, two weeks ago from Sunday when I was here last preaching to you about Thanksgiving. So many people are so easily moved in life because they allow their emotions to rule them. Right. If you're emotionally ruled, you're not going to be steadfast and immovable. Right. C, you need to always be abounding in what? Word. Always what? Word. Always what? Now read it. Always what? Abounding. Abounding. 
abounding. Not just a little here and there. No, man. He's supposed to be a rising and shining little believer. Everywhere you go. 4D, knowing that your labors are not what? It goes on to tell you in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, they're not in vain. That the Lord will reward you. All right? 2 Chronicles 15. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 2 Chronicles 15. Well, I just haven't been abounding in the work of the Lord. Get busy. Get busy. Start conversations with people. Well, I'm just kind of shy. I don't like talking to people. Da, da, da. Oh, man, give me a break. Come on, man. I, I'll guarantee you, I can find something like sports or guns or hobbies. You, you name it. And it's amazing. All I got to do is bring up that subject with you. Boy, you got no problem talking to me. Well, you can do the same thing with other people. You can use any subject to start a conversation. Maybe they won't like the subject you're talking about. But you can certainly turn to the subject of your God and talk about how good your God is. 2 Chronicles 15, are you there? Verse 7, but you, God speaking to the children of Israel under the time of Asa, notice this, he said, you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. In other words, don't stop working for the Lord. The devil wants to get people to stop working for the Lord, so you know what he does? He makes them think like it's not working. Well, we prayed, nothing happened. Bite your tongue. What you wanted to have happen, the way you wanted to have happen didn't, didn't work. But it don't mean things didn't happen. That's right. Even in this last election. That's right. Come on, somebody. Come on. Now, if you're praying out of line with the Bible, yeah, no, nothing's going to happen. The, the, the context of prayer is governed by laws. God set it up that way. Not like laws or rules. It's talking about functioning law, just like the law of gravity. Just like aspects of the law of lift. Amen. Those things don't change when it comes to prayer. But you can't sit here and say this stuff don't work. Or it didn't work or it didn't cause anything to, to change. You don't know that it didn't. That's right. Number five, always labor knowing that your work is worth it. Underline it. Always labor knowing that your work is worth it and that you will be rewarded. See, a lot of times we just look what we do based on results. I love what Pastor Barclay teaches on this, especially to us ministers. You ready? Yeah. Write it down. Do not live your life Results orientated. Write it down. Do not live your life results orientated. Live your life obedience orientated. Period. If you live your life results orientated, you're living according to the ways of the world. If you live obedience orientated, you're living according to the ways of God. I don't have time to go through all of this. It's a really cool story. If you ever pastor talk about it, pastor was used by God to start one of the very first uh, Christian kibbutz in the Jewish nation, which was illegal at the time, but they allowed him to start this Christian church. And when he did in this area where he went to start it, before he got it started, they had had him to come and ask a question to him about this uh, context of these people that were now there in the area that were actually, you know, declaring Jesus as Lord. Uh, I get all the Hebrew wrong, so uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. So anyway, they were, they were quoting the Hebrew statement, but they were saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. It's like, we can't get him to stop saying it. And they don't believe that Jesus is Lord. They believe he was a prophet, but not that he was Lord. He said, we don't get it, man. We don't know why they won't obviously let this thing go about Jesus being the Lord. And he said, well, have you asked them why they? Well, no. Well, why don't you ask them? Why don't you? (laughs) 
So they got him to come and ask. You know what they told him through an interpreter? They said, years ago, when we were living in a different area of this region, obviously out from where they are now, we were actually in Ethiopia, living in Ethiopia, our descendants. And our queen sent a person who represented her to go actually to Jerusalem to find out about what we have been hearing in relationship through the prophets about this Messiah to come. And this man, and to take and actually take an offering with him. He did. He's on his way back. And guess who God speaks to to go talk to this guy? Joseph. Now, right in the midst of the New Testament being birthed, right? I mean, man, stuff, have people getting saved. I mean, don't you want to be the one where all the crowds are 5,000 getting saved in one meeting? Come on, miracles, signs, and wonders. And what does God tell Joseph? Joseph, come here, son. You're going to leave all this hot action. You're going to go stand in the desert by yourself. What a fun assignment. And when you stand in the desert by yourself, you're going to stay there until I tell you what to do. And all of a sudden, this chariot comes by with this guy in it. And he said, I want you to run and catch up to the chariot. Imagine that. He runs and catches up the chariot. And he's actually running alongside the chariot. What are you reading? Can you see him? Philip, sorry. Excuse me. Thank you. Philip. I said, what did I say? Joseph. Sorry. Philip. So Philip's running alongside the chariot. Hey, what are you reading? The prophet Isaiah. Uh, Wouldn't you love this if sinners said this? But I don't understand it. I need somebody to explain it to me. So he gets up into the chariot with him, Philip, and he explains the whole thing to him. And about talking about Jesus. And he's already come. He's already died. He's already been raised from the dead. And as they're going along, he talks about the fact you could be born again, water baptized. He sees water and he tells his driver to stop. He said, "What's, what's stopping me from being water baptized? Nothing. Let's go. So he takes him down to the water. He actually gives his life to Jesus. He gets water baptized. Now listen, the cool part about this story for, for Philip, he's instantly translated to another church. Could you see him showing up to that next service? Bible says he just disappeared. And all of a sudden he appeared in another church. Here he comes on the state platform. He's all dripping wet. You know, like, where'd you just come from? You wouldn't believe it if I told you, man. But he said, that man got born again. He came back. He got our Queen Candace born again, changed our nation. And therefore, guess what? We believe Jesus is Lord because one man didn't go by results. You listening? He did not. Philip did not go by results. Philip went by obedience. If you live your life results-minded, you're going to disobey God many times not realizing it because you think it's all about how many show up, how many do this, how many do that. Did God tell you to do it? Then do it. Like a better amen. Amen. All right, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. See, I'm rusty after not having preached for a week. Glad I got people to help remind me. Hebrews 13. Kathy tries to She said, I was trying. I was trying to tell you. (laughs) But you weren't listening. But I was trying, praise God. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 9. Do not be carried about by, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Various and strange doctrines, teachings. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those 
who have been occupied with them. They were on this big kick back then. You can't eat meat offered to idols under the New Testament. Under the New Testament, that was no longer an issue, although you're not to do it in front of others if it becomes a stumbling block. And all this kind of led back into what they were actually now talking about in relationship to this, in relationship to this letter written in Hebrews about kind of going back to the ways of the law. And he's saying, listen, man, don't be carried about by all these various strange doctrines. You need to make sure your heart is established by grace. You understand you don't earn anything from God. That's what he was dealing with them on them on. You don't earn anything from God. Don't go back to thinking you're going to. Let your heart be established in the grace that came to you by Jesus Christ. You got what you did not deserve. You're not going to earn something from God. Could I get an amen? amen. But they kind of began to fall back into that. Number six, you must do what? A step, you must establish your heart. Be careful what you listen to and what doctrine you receive. Amen. 6A, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. 6B, it's, it is good that your heart be established by what? So how can I do that, Pastor? Back up to Hebrews 6. How do you not get caught away with various strange doctrines? Excuse me? Be careful what you listen to. Help me be a little more definitive than that. Why would I need to listen to somebody other than my fathers in the faith? If I start listening, I mean, there's so many wacky teachings out here today. If I just start listening to whatever trips my trigger, man, you're going to wind up in a bunch of wacky, crazy stuff. Number seven, you must get your soul anchored and keep it that way. Your future depends on it. Your soul, mind, will, and emotions. You need to get it anchored. Hebrews 6, 17 Notice, thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. In other words, what he does, what he says. He confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. <coughs> hope meaning what? Return of Jesus. What's the hope set before us in this verse? Return of Jesus. Look at verse 19. Notice this hope we have as what? An anchor of the soul. I've taught you this about the helmet of salvation. I'm going to touch on it again. The hope we have as what? An anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, because he's already gone, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What is this talking about? I've told you this. What does the helmet of salvation refer to? Book of Thessalonians tells you. It calls it the hope of salvation. How do I keep my soul anchored? I keep thinking about the return of the Lord. First John even says, if you maintain a focus of the very fact in your mind, knowing that Jesus could come every day, it'll help you live a holier life. Yes. What if he comes today? Am I ready? Am I prepared? Am, am, I, am I claiming that I'm a sheep and, and you know, bad like a sheep but living like a pig? So see, if you think Jesus could come every day, that hope of his calling will help you to stay stable in your walk with God. Because like Jesus said, what did Jesus say over and over again about his return? Watch. Be ready because I'm going to come like a thief. So if you maintain that hope, he's coming for me. I'll guarantee it to help you to stabilize your life and, and continue in your walk with God. Any amens on that? Number seven, A, we have the hope of his coming as an anchor to our souls. Therefore, B, your soul must be anchored if you're going to make it. If your soul is not anchored, then it's only a matter of time before someone offends or angers you and you take offense. But if you're focused in on the coming of Jesus, you're not going to let people offend you. 
You're not going to get angered. You know what your future has lying ahead of you, and therefore you're excited about it, and you're living towards that. Amen. Book of James chapter 5, last set of verses. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Book of James chapter 5. In closing tonight, we're going to look at James 5, 8 and 9. 8 and 9. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Underline it. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is what? At the time that this was written, again, this specifically right about 2,000 years ago, guess what? He was saying that that was already at hand, meaning it's close. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. How do you do that? Nine. You ready? Some of you may not like this in closing tonight. You ready? Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing. Underline it. The judge is standing at the door. How do you know if your heart's not established? You're grumbling. If your heart's established, meaning what? Set on God, and you obviously are walking in close relationship with Him, why would you be grumbling about anything? You wouldn't, because you know God, you know everything about God, and therefore you know God will do what He said. Why would I grumble? Why would I? I'm not going to spend time with God in His presence and come out grumbling. I'm going to come out rejoicing. I'm going to come out full of joy. I'm going to come out full of peace. I'm going to look at all those circumstances in life, and there ain't going to be no grumbling or what people say about me or things that go on. You kidding me? I know my God. Why would I grumble? Come on, somebody. Number eight, once again, the Bible tells us that we are to be established in our hearts and steadfast. 8A, be patient. What's patient? Be consistent. Be consistent in your walk with God. If you're not consistent in your walk with God, I'll tell you how you know you're not. You're grumbling. I don't find anybody in this Bible. Come on, man. I'm running out of time. You got to help me preach. I don't find anybody in this Bible. How how about Joshua and Caleb? They're in the midst of a whole massive amount of grumbling people. Are they grumbling? No. Even the fact that they got held back from entering into the promise at the time they were supposed to enter, they weren't grumbling. You know why? They were close with God. You walk close with God, you're not going to be a grumbler. Preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Grumbling's a sign you're not as close to God as you need to be. Can I get a better amen? And if you are therefore close to God, you're going to be consistent. You're going to be consistent in your walk with God. You're not going to be a grumbler. 8B, you'll therefore have your heart established. And therefore, you will have strengthened your resolve to go through things in life and do so by faith. And 8C, you got to remind yourself, judge is at the door. Man, it's getting close. Not a time now to obviously draw back from God. Satan wants you to. Satan wants believers to draw back from God. You listening? Less personal time with God. Less talking to God on a daily basis. Less time in the church. Less time in relationship to the Word. All the things that help you to maintain that relationship with God. And can I remind you in closing in my last minute, don't ever forget it's all about relationship. Because that's why He came. So we could know Him and He could know us. Isn't it interesting how Jesus even said to some who didn't make it in the rapture, depart from me. Listen to this. I never knew you. He didn't say you didn't know me. Well, I thought God knew everybody. Listen, that phrase, I never knew you, you never had a desire to get close enough to me as a friend for me to build that relationship. Right? How do you get to know somebody? Get close to them. 
And all he was saying was, you never took the time to get close to me. That's the phrase I never knew yet. God knows everything about everybody. But he's talking about the fact you didn't take the time to develop and build that relationship. And what is that relating to by any way? Does anybody remember the story? Ten virgins. Five wise. Five foolish. What did the wise have? Let's go through what they had. What did the wise have? Did they have a lamp? Yeah. Was it burning? Sure was. Did they have another vessel? Yeah. Did it have oil in it? Sure. So they had three things. They had a lamp. They had a vessel. They had oil in it. Let's look at the foolish. Did they have a lamp? Yep. Was it burning? Sure was. Just like the wise. Sure was. Light of salvation. Did they have a vessel? Did they have another vessel? They did. Just like the wise. Did they have extra oil? Uh-oh. No extra oil. Where's the oil come from? Isn't it interesting they knew where to get it all along? Because when the call came, the bridegroom was coming. Guess what they did? They all fell asleep and slept. All of them. Because he tarried. You listening? That'd be like days of the time of the Bible. The Bible was written. Kind of people have fallen asleep about his return. But all of a sudden the wise woke up and said, you know what? We better get ready. Because he could be coming any day. And then all of a sudden now the sound of the trumpet in Zion. Time to be ready for the return of the Lord. Right? What did the foolish do right before Jesus returned? They went to the wise and said, give us some of your oil because our lamps are now starting to flicker. Hey, you little flickering wick. You should have some extra oil in your lamp or in your, in your other vessel. You listening? Yeah. If, if your lamp's flickering, what does that mean? Your love for God's grown cold. You're a lukewarm believer. Oh my goodness. But guess what? The wise were smart. They didn't give it to them. Why did not the wise give the others their oil? I'll tell you why. You can't walk out somebody else's salvation. You can't do it. Now, they said, if we give you ours, there'll be nobody. In other words, how could they give them their oil? Go do what they were doing. Not walking close with God. Right. Not staying close with God. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. How do you get that extra oil? You stay close to God. You stay rubbing up next to God and keep that extra vessel full of oil and your lamp's never going to flicker. And so they then go. Come on, they go to get it. And when they do, Jesus returns and takes the wise away and the foolish say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I never knew you. In other words, you had all this opportunity to develop a relationship with me and you wouldn't do it. But then all of a sudden, right before I come, you decide, oh my gosh, our lamps are flickering. Time to go get some extra oil. And too late. Notice he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, no problem. I'll take you. No. He said, too late. You had your chance. Don't blow your chance. Stay close to God. It's what it's all about. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.